I have to share kind of the journey of getting here tonight. So um, Pastor Debbie said it's on Jesus being our first love. And immediately I felt the Lord say that it's because you're his first love. And so my whole life I've been a Christian, and I wanted to do a good job and please him and have him as my first love. And I was always aware of my sin and my idols and all that stuff. Um, and I'm coming to the season of just being so like aware that that's so small and how big and marvelous and wonderful he is, and it's a completed work at the cross. Um, and it all starts with him loving me first. So I believe this whole weekend, to set the tone, is that we are his first love. And so when I was praying about it, I had this picture of a chandelier, and it was all glitz and glam and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't even know if we could decorate or not. Um, And so I asked Pastor Debbie and Alan and Yvette, and they all let us. And so um, I I didn't have a chandelier. And so I was like, Lord, how are we going to do this? I just asked that somebody gives me a chandelier. Um, And so nobody did. I asked on Facebook. (laughs) I looked through my dad's old stuff brassy and ugly, and um, so none of that was working. I was going to buy one, but it was too close. I didn't think it would get here in time, etc. So, I, Holy Spirit dropped an idea in my head, and he's like, remember that Christian lighting store where I got a lot of the lights from my house? Um, and so I called very tentative, because I've never asked for somebody to give me something or loan, um, and so I told them my little story. It's a church conference. Can we borrow your light? And she's like, oh my gosh, God blesses us. We do this all the time. Um, so, lighting, etc. Lighting, etc. in Watauga, which is kind of like Fort Worth. So, I go and the Lord lets me pick out my own chandelier for this conference. Yay! Is that not marvelous? And then, my sweet friend Chance um, then created all of this. So, he spent all day making this girly wonderfulness because I really feel like the Lord's taking us on a date. And so, we have our picnic baskets, and he's pursuing us, and he's wooing us, and he's always for us. Um, But I don't always know that. Sometimes I have weird stuff that goes on in my emotions and in my head, and I think he's mad or he's distant or he's giving me just kind of silent disapproval and I better get my act straight and, you know, or it's just kind of a just, it's just a blah day and I just don't really feel him. And I have a lot of those days. Um, and so leading up to this, I was like, Lord, what is your heart? And he said his heart is really that we see him and that we know him. Three times in scripture, it's referenced about praying that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. So somehow we can have physical eyes that we're seeing and yet not see. We can have physical ears that work and not not hear accurately. And so we're going to be talking this weekend about projections and enactments. I'll explain all of that later, but it's just the basic principle that you can't actually see me right now. Your brain, through your retina, is taking information in, it crosses at the corpus callosum, you don't need to know that, and then it goes through the thalamus, and that's a little pit stop in your brain, and then it goes back to the occipital uh, lobe. And then a like projector screen is being created of the image you think you're seeing. The cool thing is, they used to think the thalamus, that little pit stop, they thought that that was just like a relay station, like the brain just kind of pit stops there and goes on. Actually, research is finding that our brain makes meaning right there. Like the instant you see something, your brain has already made meaning of what that is for you, based on your history, your background, your experiences. So in your thalamus, it immediately decides, 
Is, are you for me? Are you against me? Do you like me? Do you not? And your brain is gauging all this really neat stuff on the inside. I'm talking fast and my heart's going really fast. Oh, I have to slam. Um, so in your thalamus, <laughs> it's all based on your past experience, which is all your soul and the life that you've lived. So when you're little bitty, everything is brand new and it's all these new experiences. And every thought you have connects with an emotion, and now that creates like a sensory feedback loop. So the next time you see that image, your brain goes, oh, I already know that. And it's called a heuristic, a mental shortcut, and I go, oh, I already know that. Blonde, pretty girl, yeah, she's my friend. Okay, I already know that. I don't even have to think about it. I just know her name's Lindsay. So Lindsay, by the way, is going to be praying with us and interceding for us, and she's a friend from Dallas who came for this weekend. That was a tangent, but I just want to honor her. Um, so, I know that, sorry guys. Um, so, when I see that image, my brain already fills in a bunch of gaps. And the same is true with authority figures, which I've already talked about a little bit here, that my brain will fill in, based on my past experience, automatic emotion and feedback, and it's like this little compartment on the inside that's like, oh, we know that, authority figure. Oh, friend, blonde lady, brunette lady, I don't know, whatever chamber, your heart fills it in and your brain just goes, oh, that's what it is, and creates a projection back here. And so it's like flipped and it goes right here and that's what you think you're seeing. So the Lord's saying, guys, a lot of times you're not actually seeing me. The harsh, the disappointed, the frustrated, the painful, the distant, disapproving, or just nothingness. So um, a lot of uh, words about the end times have been coming. And I realized I was getting very scared, and I was having very ungodly fear responses and, like, despair. Um, one day I was, um, had a long therapy day, and then I'm checking my emails, and I'm on a list that gives you every single end-time update. <laughs> and it was, it was a lot, and I was feeling a little overwhelmed, and I just felt this despair settle on me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, the end times are here. It's going to be over. And my life is, why do I even bother? Like, why do I even care if these people stay married or not? Why am I doing my job? And just this heaviness and this despair just settled on me. And so that night I went and talked with my friend Yvonne, uh, because we were praying about tonight. And I was like, man, normally I walk around, I feel pretty good. I feel like the Lord's for me. I feel hopeful. I feel excited about the future. But I'm reading all these emails about the end times, and I'm like dread and heaviness. Um, And as I'm talking, the Lord starts showing me the comparison of what my God image was doing on the inside of me. And just because I'm used to thinking about God image, it's just kind of that emotional part of you that registers if God is near or far and what his expression is towards you, if that makes sense. So, like, when I was worshiping over here, I was just picturing Jesus and his face was here, his nose and our lips, and he was grinning. So that's my God image. That's In that moment, that's what emotionally I perceive that God is doing with me. Other moments, I perceive that he's distant, disappointed, frustrated at me. Gosh, get your act together, Shannon. You know, all that stuff. And so that's my emotional grid responding to him. And that doesn't mean my grid is always right, is what the Lord's saying. So as I'm talking to Yvonne the other night, um, I realized that my God image shifted. That normally I walk around life and God's present emotionally with me. And then right when I start talking about the end times, all of a sudden it was like God is absent. There's no God inside of me. Like, when I think about the end times, there's no God, and it's just we're down here fending for ourselves, and I better get preparation and get all my stuff ready, take my money out of the bank, because I better be ready to protect me and provide for me. And immediately, it was like, oh, my gosh. 
I just went into a self-survival mode that's from my past of when I'm alone, I feel abandoned. I feel alone, rejected, unwanted, and nobody's there for me, and I have to protect myself. And so I was in that moment cutting off from the real God and now creating a projection of false image in my emotions was being created based on my past that now God isn't there. I'm on my own. Good luck. And so I would now understand that through my soul, because of that pain of my past, the enemy came in through my emotions and now created that despair, that hopelessness, despondency, and just this, uh, wait. And so then I'm like, okay, what do we do about this, Lord? So I come out of agreement with the belief that you're distant, you're not there, you've abandoned me and left me in the end times. And I come into agreement that we're probably already in the end times, like with the 1900s and the revivals and all the stuff that this prophecy, you know, like um, he'll pour out his spirit on all men and women, they'll prophesy, um, Israel becoming a nation. I think we're already in the end times. And so once I realized that, I'm like, God, you've already been faithful. And then I was able to remember his faithfulness, his testimonies, but before I wasn't. It was kind of like this line inside that I didn't know I had that's kind of like God's faithful and good and we can dream and have fantasies and wonderful, like happy, hopeful stuff until internally there was an unconscious shift where now there's going to be this time where God leaves me and abandons me and now the enemy just has kind of a free-for-all and, like, all the secular people are going to, like, take me out, you know? And so then that created a lot of fear. It was real. That was real. Um, and so now that I, I recognize that, and I'm kind of walking you through it because yours are going to be different, but we all have them. We all have this internal place that we kind of think God isn't there. Where it's whether you sin or you haven't had your quiet time or it's in a relationship or whatever, some kind of area in your life, usually you'll find that there's like an absence of God or a disapproving God or whatever. So I am in counseling right now, and I'm having so much fun. Um, And I went to my counseling appointment uh, this morning, and um, we were asking the Lord where my fear of God being disappointed and disapproval, where that came from. And so the Lord showed me a picture that when I was with my grandparents, when I was very, very little, I can't even remember the age, um, but I was a denomination that was very strong on end times and fear and all that stuff. And I remember sitting there and just petrified. And I had all the appearance of sin because I had short hair and all the stuff you're not supposed to have in that group. And so as a little girl, I don't know, four, five, six, my mom could tell you, however long it was that I spent a month with my grandparents, the spirit of fear really took hold. And it created this false image of God that he's mad, he's angry, hellfire, damnation, holding me over, you know, coals. Even though today I'm very vigilant about my God image, I'm like, Jesus loves me, it's wonderful, but that unconscious stuff was still there. Even though I am passionate about him here, all that unconscious stuff here was still affecting me and was a backdoor, like a trigger that the enemy could use at any point. And so that's my encouragement this weekend, is that we're going to start recognizing and saying, Jesus, you come inside my unconscious. And you root around and you find out what areas that I don't think you're there or what areas I have a false projection or where my thalamus is sending a wrong signal and now I create this image of you that's not real. Because he loves us. He's passionately in love with you. 
And my prayer is that you're not thinking that's for somebody else, but that it's for you. And it's for you knowing that you are the bride of Christ. And that he orchestrated all this pretty stuff around us. And this pales into comparison of reality. His real splendor that's around us all the time is far greater. But our spirit man and our soul are not always on the same page. So inside of me, I have a spirit and I have a soul and then I've got a body that I walk with. And so my spirit man speaks the same language as heaven. And so he talks to my spirit and when my soul is clear, then they're connecting and it's like those Jesus moments that we all love and he's close and it's wonderful. And then there's those moments where it's dry and it's nothing and it's like, eh, I'm just kind of just having a Tuesday. You know, it's just kind of a nothing day. Um, Thank you for your laughing. Um, So in your soul, that's where all that stuff from your past, all the projections, all the false signals, all that stuff then creates like chatter or noise that then creates these false visions, false hearing, where people have um, perceptions that God is like mad and distant and angry and upset at them or just silent. Um, One client described it really well. He called it just silent disapproval. I'm not really even wrathful. I'm not even mad at you. It's just kind of silent disapproval. I'm just here, and you're just living your life, and it's just so-so. Instead of him being passionate and in love and dancing ferociously over you. Zephaniah says he dances ferociously over us. And I don't live like that every day. Most days I live like, okay, I've got to go to work, and I've got an agenda, and I've got, you know, totally unaware that all this stuff every day is being created for me, and I'm missing it. Because I don't have eyes to see and I don't have ears to hear. I'm so in tune with this natural world and my soul is giving me all this feedback of just the natural stuff. The natural, normal, everyday life. And God's like, I've got revival inside of you, inside of heaven. I want to release revival through each and every one of you. And as I was laying back there, I felt like the Lord is like, I have hand-picked every single daughter that's here. You are supposed to be here because it's more than just you. There is revival fire that's going to be released through you. This is about impartation. There's something more than just another conference where we hear good stuff and we all go amen. But there's something that's going to be released on the inside of you. And as we continue to clear out all the clutter, all the junk, all the projections, and he really gives us eyes to see and ears to hear, then I'm able to accurately say, oh, that's a prophetic word for this person. Oh, this is a person to not talk to, you know? Graham Cook says his best evangelism is sometimes not talking to somebody about the Lord. If somebody's hard and then I'm another obnoxious Christian, that could do a lot more damage than somebody who's kind and loving and gentle and represents Christ. And then when the Lord is like, okay, open door, then you are speaking to them. But we have to be so clear and so sharp that we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, to know what he's doing, to recognize what he's wanting to release on the earth. So we're going to talk all about more of that stuff later. But for tonight, it's a romantic ball. It's an invitation to let him love you and woo you and let any scales that have been on your eyes and ears come off. Because we all think in the natural where it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I know that. I already know that. And it's like, truthfully, we have the Bible, we have Holy Spirit, we have Jesus and Father. His word never changes He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 
If you're looking for a new word, you're not really going to find it. You're going to have a whole lot of the same stuff because he's concrete and he's stable. But what you're going to find is when you open your eyes and your ears of your spirit, man, he's going to go deeper and it's going to be revelation. It's going to be a part of you. It's going to change the way you live. It's going to change you from suicidal to revival and loving Jesus and proclaiming him. So no longer am I cutting myself. Now I'm getting dressed up in cute outfits. Because I'm excited to be who I am. And that never was my reality. I wanted to, to be anybody but me. I wanted to be an actress so that you never saw the real me. And now, slow but steady, he's helping me actually like me and enjoy who I am. And I believe that's your story too. No matter what your age or where you're at in life, that he wants you to embrace and love and wear bright colors and enjoy who you are because the Lord is crazy about you. And we can all say we know this, but we don't always live like this. And when we do, transformation happens. And I start asking the Lord for bigger things. I start believing him for stuff. Guys, I've never asked the Lord for anything at a conference. Nothing. Nothing. And I just was like, Lord, I just asked that somebody gives me a chandelier. And he did. <laughs> like, he really did. I've never even, it's never even crossed my mind to decorate or to ask God to give anything or do anything. It's always just like, I'm just really humble and excited to get to do it. So I'm just kind of like tiptoeing. Instead of being like, God, I pray for this. And I want this. And I want this miracle. And I want these eyes to see. And these limbs to grow. And these souls to get saved. Guys, if I actually believed the Lord at his word, I would have much bigger prayers. I would believe him for so much more. And how much more if each one of you, a fire of glory, who's going to leave here, go to the nations, go and do revival, go and do Walmart, go and do your home life. How much more would we live radically? And so I'm excited because Yvonne is going to lead us in ministry time. But my job first is to just do some activation, clearing the soul stuff. Because we talked about that, but now it's like, how do we do that? The application part. Because I've grown up in the church my whole life, and I could tell you most sermons by memory, you know? But it's like, it doesn't really matter if I'm a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word. Right? We all know what we should do. We all know that stuff. But somehow it has to translate where it clicks. Today in my counseling appointment, um, we were talking about hope. And every time I hope, and you may think I'm hopeful, and I think I am too, but unconsciously, I had a steel, like, it looked like this over my heart. And when I start to hope too much, it's like a whack-a-mole, and it just, it slams it shut. Because I don't want to get disappointed, right? I don't want to get hurt. I don't want it not to work out. And so I just whack-a-mole, and I close it back down. And so that's real. I've lived like that my whole life. And this morning, we just said, let's get rid of that whack-a-mole business who's stealing my joy and taking my hope away. And so we took it off, and then my heart was free. And then we realized that there was like a chain shackly thingy, and that was the religious part of just being so scared of him being mad at me since from when I was like four or five, I don't know, whenever I was with my grandparents at their church. And so we unlocked that. But at first, I didn't unconsciously believe Jesus was big enough to do it. So there's all these weird beliefs we have unconsciously. We don't even know that we believe. But it's based on our past and our limbic system and our little thalamus right here. All these parts of the brain are just doing what they know to do. Based on your past, 
they kind of predict the future. If somebody's hand comes toward me and I'm from a violent neighborhood, I'm probably going to move, you know. Yeah, and if I have a hand come toward me and I'm from a good neighborhood, I'm probably going to think, oh, are they going to tell me something nice based on my past, right? Your brain interprets it based on your past. So here's the easiest clue. Whatever theme is going on in your life, like for me, end times, a lot of fear. And so it's like, Lord, you know, guys, I was ashamed of that. God's faithful. His testimonies are amazing. It's kind of like, Shannon, are you kidding me? You're living with that much fear and doubt and unbelief that he's not going to take care of you? But I couldn't shake it because it was something in my emotions deeper than just my effort and my will to believe God. Like I tried all the stuff. I rebuked fear. I rebuked unbelief. I repent. I'm sorry, God. And it didn't leave. It just stayed right here. And then I would avoid it. Right? That's what we normally do with anxious things is I just don't listen to any things about the end times. Right? I just avoid. Or I go into self-protection which is a form of self-idolatry, because now I'm trying to protect me and make sure I'm going to be okay, as opposed to trusting him to be okay. And so that's our shift, is when something gets triggered, and God's pointing out a theme in your life, is that you start recognizing, hmm, jealousy, insecurity, fear, worry, unbelief, whatever, whatever the thing is, right, comparison. When that happens, just take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And when I do that, now I go, Jesus, what do you want to do with this thought? Normally, we just try to, you know, whack-a-mole it off ourselves, hit it away, right? And the Lord's like, no, 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 like bring that thought to me because that helps you recognize a root issue that the enemy's using anyway. And if you just kick the enemy out, you don't clean the house, and he'll sure come back. You know, we have to actually clean the house. We have to actually clean that soul area, that stronghold, that area that's tripping us up. And so that's what we're going to do now is you're going to think about something and it could be good or bad, anything in your life. And you're going to say, Lord, I've noticed this theme in my life. Anything, fear, unbelief, doubt, worry, anxious, depressed, sad, suicidal, hopeless, whatever your thing is right now. And you're going to go, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take that thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Where in my past might that have come from, Lord? So I can tell you a thousand of mine to give you some examples because I got them all the time. Um, but I'm used to looking for them. And yours are there. And he, it's like a scavenger hunt where you get to go, oh, that's, that's an area where I was believing a lie. And so now I've gotten used to if a picture comes in that's not accurate, then I just picture scissors and I cut it out. And I come out of agreement with that belief, that image. And I come into agreement with the truth of whatever God's word says, right? Because I have to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from me. So when I speak the truth in that area, which now I have to do daily, right? I have to renew my mind daily in that area. So you want to just pick like one thing and you want to be strategic to start changing your mind in that area. So if it's about finances, if it's about relationships, If it's about your weight, your body image, your sense of being attractive or not, your singleness, your marriedness, your in-betweenness, whatever your thing is, you can bring that to the submission of the Lord, and then he gets to now help you with it. As opposed to normally, Jesus, take this away. God, I'm sorry. God, And you guys, he can't take your soul away. So the more you do this, like, batting it away thing, he's like, that's awesome, but you're not actually asking me for help. 
And so you're just going to continue to fight in your own strength to combat that lie, that struggle, that issue, whatever that is. Instead, Jesus, I'm going to submit and bring that area to you. For me, it helps to journal because I write out my thoughts and then I'll ask him, okay, Lord, where has that been maybe a random unrelated thought issue um, experience in my past that maybe that's coming coming from, and then that'll help parallel for me. And then I invite him into that memory. And so then I break soul ties where my soul got connected with that belief, that emotion, that fear response, that doubt response, sexual response, whatever, so that now you're kind of cleaning out the soul, cleaning the house, and then I'm going to invite Jesus and his lordship in that area. Does that make sense? That instead of me protecting me by either avoiding those thoughts, avoiding whatever I think is stressful or unpleasing to him, or just trying to combat it myself, don't worry, I'll get rid of this, Jesus. Instead, I'm saying, Jesus, I'm going to take this thought captive under your lordship, and I'm going to ask you what you think we should do with this thought. Where is this coming from? Obviously, the enemy is involved. How did he get access? Why is this so persistent? I can't get it out of my emotions. I'm going to go deeper with him and just go, like, in a, I sit on my couch. So I saw it call it couch time, and I express any emotion, I work through it, and then that area is resolved. And if the enemy does try to come back, it's like he doesn't have the emotion attached to it where each of us go, yeah, I know this is true, but it feels this way. We have two levels of processing. So your brain sees reality, but then the corpus callosum, it switches, goes through the thalamus, and now your past, your background is now creating meaning out of whatever's going on. So we have to clean out whatever in your soul has gotten mucked up by a fallen world, by damage, by pain, by lies, by false beliefs. So it's not that hard. You just go, huh, this is a thought. This is an image. This is an issue. This is an insecurity. This is an emotion that just kind of shoots through my chest. If that happens, you just take it and go, okay, Lord, what about this? What should we do with this one? Where does this one belong? What room do you want to clean inside of me so the enemy can't use that against me anymore? You're just cleaning out your soul. And so as we are on a romantic date with Jesus, we're wanting to clean out the soul. So we felt like tonight is mostly just ministry. So I was just going to give this little talk, and then we're going to shoot right into ministry. But I'll lead you into something first, and then Yvonne is going to take over. And you guys, her testimonies, her walk with the Lord, um, pretty ridiculous. We've been friends for just about two years now, and um, she's already brought somebody back to life in Jesus' name. So you can trust the Spirit of God that's uh, resting on this sister. Um, She has personally carried me prophetically through many seasons. So I'm really grateful for her, and I just want to tell her that I love her and honor her publicly of what a dynamic woman and that how privileged we really are to have her tonight. Um, so I'm going to lead us. So what you're going to do, I'll explain first, and then we'll close our eyes. You're going to clear the chalkboard of your mind, because remember, there's two levels of processing. We all know the right answer here. God's not concerned about your head. He's concerned about your emotions and the soul and all that stuff that clutters and kind of breaks that romantic part of your relationship. So at any moment, if it feels like that's kind of distant and it's not there, then you know something's happened in your soul. Because he said if you're unfaithful, he will be even more faithful. So there's nothing you can do that will separate yourself from his great love. Not height, nor depth, not even a demon, not even your sin. 
He said, you just come to me. It's already been dealt with at the cross. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. So if any of that stuff exists in your relationship, it's not him. It's not him. He's here creating all of this. He has a banquet table, a picnic. That's your everyday reality. That's truth in heaven. He has a banquet table prepared for his bride. And if that's not a reality at any moment in your life, that's not him. A false projection has gotten activated and the enemy is opportunistically taking advantage of that to try to disconnect your heart from his. And he's a deceiver and he's a liar and he's the accuser of the brethren. And so much of my life and lots of people that I know, we live with lots of little accusations and we don't even realize it. They're so subtle, these just subtle little things where I feel less than or unworthy or I go, oh, look at the calling on her or whatever. Any of those things, it disconnects you from the Lord. And he's like, I'm the pursuer of your soul. I'm the lover of your soul. I'm crazy about you all the time. And yet most of the time I'm doing this and I'm feeling uh, disconnected and where are you, God, and why is this happening in my life and all this stuff. And I have no idea that he's like, I'm right here. I've got chandeliers. I've got pretty stuff. I've got sparkly moments for you. So my safe place that we created um, in therapy, you can all create your own safe place. It's just a place in your imagination. Uh, mine is a carnival, and he takes me to this big carnival, and we have fun, and we play, and we eat cotton candy, and it's delightful. And I didn't grow up with that. I thought Jesus was very serious, and God's very serious, and we need to be very serious. I didn't know he was so fun and funny and charming and flirty. I've been single for a long time. But I've been romanced and flirted with, and he twirls me, and we have a great time in my imagination. And it's very real because my emotional needs are being met because my soul's connecting with his. And then something happens, and it disconnects because that's life. And then I go, huh, Lord, it's not like it was. So what in me has shifted because I know you haven't shifted. You were the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if we're different, it's me. It's something in my soul, and not for me to feel condemned by any means, more just like, hmm, I wonder what that is. And then I bring it to him, and he cleans out my soul, and then we're like this again. And then I cry, and I'm like, oh, you never left me. I thought you did. This is amazing. And then we kiss, and it's just wonderful. <laughs> and it's a very real relationship once I started allowing my soul to get ministered to him, as opposed to just my good theology, my good worship, my good church attendance, but my everyday life is playing and flirting, and then some days it's not. And then I go back to my closet and I go, what's, what's going on? Let's clean out something in me because I know you're constantly in love with me. He is constantly in love with you. That's the good news. The gospel is called good news because it's good news. He's in love with you. 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 And if we had any fathom of how much he loves us, our minds would explode. He is in love with you. His motive is love. His heart is compassion. Loving kindness emanates from his throne. He is merciful. He's interceding. He's for you and not against you. The enemy has deceived us. We think God's mad. God's not mad. It's been poured out on the cross. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And when you know that, you live that. And then you are that in the gospel everywhere you go. You're releasing the gospel, the good news, that he just loves you. 
habits and all, quirks and all. I have so many quirks. And Jesus just smiles and thinks I'm goofy, but he loves me. And sometimes I don't think that. And then I go back, right, just like I explained. I don't live in this euphoria all the time by any means. But when I do get in that, I'm like, oh, I'm going to fight for this territory. The enemy doesn't steal this anymore. I hate how much he has stolen from me and from each of us, making us feel disconnected from our Savior. He is in love with us. And anything that says less than is a lie from the pit of hell. Because God loves us. He loves you. He is passionate for you. Any voice that says otherwise is a lie. He loves you. The God of all creation is screaming. He loves you. He loves his people. You are his daughters. He knows that you're flesh. He knows that you're broken and you're trying your best. He's not mad and he's not disappointed. He loves you. And he is big enough for every sin, every issue, every follicle that you think is a big deal. He loves you. So I pray that we become daughters who fight for that reality. And we're giving some hows this weekend so we can learn how to live in that place and just Punch the enemy in the face that we never listen to that voice. We never allow that disconnect because he is not disconnecting from us. It's only the enemy, the accuser of our souls, who's picking a fight. And let's pick a fight back. Let's not let him do it. The enemy is a liar and he's jealous of the love affair that Father God has with us through Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming for a bride. He's coming to delight in us, to marry us, to woo us. He's not mad or distant. Only the accuser, only the enemy says that. So please, please know that that's your emotions and they lie. Those are not to be trusted. The truth is Jesus loves you. Any emotion besides that is a lie. And you take it under the submission of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you say, Jesus, it feels like this. I'm broken. I'm hurt. I just sinned again. I hate myself. Why did I do that? But your word says, and I cannot stay in self-hatred. I cannot stay in self-pity. I cannot be the victim. I have to get up and say, God, your word says that I am victorious in Christ. The love of Jesus is written on my heart. I am sealed unto the day of redemption. And nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. So if anything says that, you know it's a lie. You know it's a lie. And I have to learn every day, it's a lie. Unworthy, condemnation, shame, those are demons. And they get in through your emotions and they lie to you. And they make you feel less than and horrible and unworthy and unclean. And it's a lie. You come to the cross, you repent, it's done, it's been done with at the cross. So nothing separates you from the love of Jesus. And this weekend is about a fight inside of you to say, I am going to believe you at your word. That I am highly favored. I am the blessed of my Savior. He picked me. He's wooing me and marrying me. That I am delighted in. And anything that says otherwise, even my emotions, cannot be trusted. Because the word of God will prevail. His word is true. And it says, even if our emotions condemn us, God is not a liar. Even if your emotions are telling you stuff, the enemy lies through your emotions. And God is saying, here's truth in my word. Here's truth in my church and your counselors, your friends who can say, honey, don't believe that lie. That's not truth. Get out of that. Don't stay there. 
Did you know the spirit of depression is a demonic spirit? It's a stronghold and it will keep me and other people down. And God said, no, you are victorious through the cross. Nothing can keep you down. And I'm not making light of depression. It's not just a choice. I've lived in it. But I will tell you there are things you can do to get back up. Anybody who's dealing with anxiety and depression, hopelessness, despair, suicide, those are real things. And I deal with that for people every day. Five days a week, not every day. I don't want to lie. Um, But I will tell you that that's real and that's a journey to come out of it. But please trust you don't have to live there. That's not your home. That's not reality. Your emotions lie, and you have to take them and say, Jesus, is this truth, or is this just my emotion, and the enemy is using it? Am I tired? Have I not eaten? Am I, you know, cranky? Have I not had friend time in a while? I have to start looking strategically, because the warfare in America is definitely through our emotions, through our soul. Many nations, people are being martyred. We are equally under attack. We just don't see our enemy the same way they do. Our ISIS is the demons that come in through our emotions and make us feel awful or make us feel prideful and better than everybody or feel less than everybody. The enemy is a jerk, and he will try to deceive you at any turn. And so you just take every emotion under the lordship of Jesus. You take every thought, every habit, and you just start with one. Don't be overwhelmed. Just take one. Lord, I feel... Dumpy. So I come out of agreement with uh, dumpy, the belief that I'm dumpy. I come into agreement with the truth that I'm beautiful and I'm made in your image, flawless and spectacular and knit together in my mother's womb that you did a good job making me. God, I confess this truth. And Lord, where did that feeling of being dumpy, where did that come from in my natural history, in my past? Comments that might have been said, media, images, things that you've been exposed to, family generational patterns, all that stuff. You just start taking those things to him. He really wants to help. And normally we try to do it ourselves and combat it and rebuke it. Instead of, Jesus, I invite you in. What is this? Clean this room in me because you have more. And this silly little attack from the enemy, you can thwart it with one little pinky. And when I was praying for us today, um, I, well, one, I saw demons trying to come toward me. And then there was this glass wall. And he's just like, I got you. You're sealed. You're good. And then he took his arm, and it was just this big, marvelous arm, and it just took all the enemy of the way. And it was so marvelous because sometimes I think warfare is, like, really intense and really hard, and we got to, like, really get him. And it's like he's just a fallen angel, right? There's just a third of them. They're not that big of a deal. They are real, and we need to know our enemy. But we also need to know the majesty of God. That one little flick of his finger, the enemy is wiped out of your life. And it's no big deal. So whatever feels like a big deal, whatever feels like a mountain in your life, trust me, God is bigger and it's all in your emotions because truth is you've already conquered everything. You're already righteous. You're already sanctified, redeemed, holy, fought for, a bride. You're already everything your heart desires. It's just our soul starting to believe it even when our soul feels like the world's definition of my reality is what is true. And so that's our challenge, is that in our soul, we're going to start cleaning it up so my soul starts to believe the truth of what God already did at the cross. When I accept Jesus, it's all. It's all or nothing. The cross is enough or it's not. 
And I can't add to it with my works and my good efforts and my praying and fasting and deliverance. All that stuff is good, but it's really the cross that does it. And when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's a completed work. And then he takes you through working on your soul so that your soul believes the truth of what's already been paid for. So, getting back to our exercise. I'm going to have you close your eyes. Use your imagination to picture erasing the chalkboard of your mind, just clearing the thoughts. I just see Jesus tickling some of you. He's funny, and he's lighthearted with you. Use your imagination to picture opening your heart, just kind of peeling back the layers. And then there's this just clear film over your heart. And it's that belief that all that is good, but it's not for me. Use your imagination to just picture peeling back that layer and just confessing, this is all for me. That this is for me. That he would leave the 99 just to be with you. He's not into numbers. He's into you. And just picture the area that you've needed an upgrade. Come out of agreement with whatever belief you've been confessing, even unconsciously. Inferior, less than, unworthy, whatever, orphan. Come into agreement with the truth of whatever upgrade he wants to show you right now. Now picture that he places a crown because you are a princess. And he puts your arm in his. And he shows you off and displays you to the world. He's proud of you. You are the center of his focus. Not because you can do anything for him. He's just wildly, passionately, head over heels crazy about you. Let him love you. And anything that tries to steal that, you just take your scissors and cut it. Because that's not truth. He loves you. Like he takes the veil and lifts it. And you are that radiant princess, that beautiful bride. And that is home. That is your permanent living place, is the bride and princess. Anything less is a lie. 